want to take a moment today to take you into part three of our conversation on uh, on on uh, wisdom, the uh, nothing ventured, nothing gained series, and I'm using the reference of a proverb that God's wisdom is like a great adventure and that it is something you've got to look for and enjoy. And perhaps the greatest adventure in life is living under the mighty hand of God. That's the true adventure. Oh, by the way, um, I'm, I'm sure you'll know who I'm talking about, the retired pastors. Do you ever retire as a pastor? Not really, in the front row. But I think pastors John and June also retired uh, in the service here somewhere this morning. So I, I, I wonder if uh, no matter where you are, if you would just um, welcome them by way of a round of applause, and then I'll tell you why afterwards. I... I, I've come to learn that the first church you go to as a pastor raises you. And the second church you pastor, you help raise the church. And so they were part of that group of people who helped raise me. And because you don't know what you're doing, but you act like you do. And they could tell that we were so loud and so sure and so wrong. And so I think there's a difference. And so the adventures of wisdom and the spirit of wisdom today. To get you into that conversation, I must tell you a story that at first will seem cute, then it will seem harsh, and at the end it will seem wise. So please don't tap out halfway through. I'm in a major war at home. Not the dogs. I have a much bigger fight on my hands. It's a fight that is strategic and intentional and it occupies a good two hours of every day. It's not laundry or dishes. Two years ago, a group of birds decided to nest in the eaves of my house. They're called starlings. And they are not cute but being kind-hearted, and that word kind is very important in what I'm going to share with you today, I thought, well, I'll let them first have their babies and then I'll close it up. Little did I know the noise and the scratching and the chaos that would happen in the eaves of my roof. Little would I know that they would scratch their way through the roof and end up in my bedroom. Yes, no, absolutely. My, my, my friend here who looks after my house and is a tenant downstairs has witnessed it himself. Then you've got to open all the doors and windows to be kind and let them out because they've got babies. Later, I'm itchy. I Google, I realise, well, they bring fleas and flies and gnats and things. Well, I thought, well, I won't get caught again this year. I blocked it up. They found a way. For hours, they pecked at something and they got in. And now I thought, what am I going to do? Last year, I let them breed because I was being kind, you see. But this year, I decided, no. Catch me once, shame on me. I mean you, catch me twice, shame on me. I ducked all the holes. I sprayed stuff in there. I'm about to confess something that I apologize for in advance, but I, I, I thought surely they will, they will eat something poisonous, surely, and that would, surely. So I, I soaked, I soaked uh, um, uh, millies in, in a, a product called uh, Roundup, 
which is awful. You shouldn't use it in your garden. But I had some, and I thought, well, you know, one should clear one's cupboards. And I put the bowl right there where the Eve is, you know, and they kicked it right out and it smashed on the ground below. I thought the war is on. Do you want to know how it ends? They crawled through again the other day, Mark, and they landed in my house and I didn't open the doors or the windows. I let the dogs in. And I have won this war. (laughs) Now you might think, what possible relevance could a story as cruel as that possibly have? I've told you the cute part, little birds nesting. I've told you the cruel part, a vicious pit bull attack on an innocent flea infested And now perhaps some wisdom. That sometimes using the excuse of I just want to be kind is not wisdom. And in trying to be kind, we're becoming cruel to our own souls. And sometimes some things have to be stopped at the start, not when they breed in our houses and in our hearts. And in this conversation of wisdom and knowledge and its difference, today I want to talk to you about what the wisdom of God produces. You know, there are tests out there for lots of things. You can get an IQ test and you can get a personality test and you can get a spiritual gifts test. You can test just about everything. But strangely, there isn't a wisdom test. And yet the Bible actually does have a lot to say about testing the wisdom of something. And I, I think it's, it's a good idea for us to know that test. And so I'm going to go straight to Galatians chapter five and I want to talk to you about how you know when your wisdom is worldly and then how you know when your wisdom is word inspired, worldly versus word. And then I want to talk to you about how to activate an atmosphere of wisdom in your life. I think that we need a a lot more godly wisdom in our world because there's an accumulation of knowledge, but not an accumulation of wisdom. You know, there's a big difference between knowledge and wisdom. I remember that first week I shared it. A tomato is technically a fruit. That's knowledge. Wisdom says you don't put it in a fruit salad. That's just an unwritten rule. The Bible actually goes further. In 1 Corinthians chapter 8, it says this, that knowledge puffs up. It makes you self-righteous. But the love of God makes us wise. Have you ever met somebody whose knowledge just makes them self-righteous? In fact, that passage of Scripture is about food offered to idols and how you shouldn't make a scene. Have you ever sat at a meal? I've done this. And somebody knowledgeable will say, oh, that's a lot of pepper you're putting in your meal. You know, it takes seven years for pepper to leave your system. I don't know if I believe that because I would be an accumulation of pepper at this point. And I know that some people can be salty, but I don't think. I don't think that's what people mean. It's an emotional state, right? 
But the Bible does, and I love its translation in, in the message, explain the characteristics, the wisdom test of worldly wisdom versus godly wisdom. And I want to take you there today. At the end of this message, I just wanted to give a heads up to our teams and other communities. I'm going to invite you forward for prayer if you have a need that the Spirit of God would give you wisdom for a situation that you're wrestling with at the moment. I feel like God wants us to start doing that. But Galatians 5 verse 19 says this, it is obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time. Repetitive, loveless, cheap sex. A stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage. Frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness, little trinket gods, magic show religion. Paranoid loneliness, cutthroat competition, all-consuming need, never satisfying wants. A brutal temper. An impotence to love and to be loved. Divided homes, divided lives. Small-minded and lopsided pursuits. The vicious depersonalizing of everyone into a rival. Uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions. Ugly parodies of community. That's quite a list. And I wonder if at some point in that list you saw yourself, you thought, well, I, I maybe represent some of that. There are a couple of characteristics in this that uh, uh, really help us uh, determine when we're living our lives only on worldly wisdom. One of them, I've just selected three categories. One of them is an accumulation of garbage. Boy, can we accumulate garbage. Do you know that sometimes I watch those um, programs, The Hoarders, and you know, I, I, I shouldn't, uh, I don't know why I'm so interested I'm not interested in the rubbish. I'm interested in why they won't get rid of the rubbish. You'll take something totally broken, like ruined, haven't used it in 15 years, and you'll say to the person, can we throw it away? And they go, no, 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 no. It's got meaning. <laughs> but before we laugh at the physical hoarders, just think about the accumulation of emotional garbage. 15 years, he has an SMS you back, but you're holding on because it's still got meaning. 15 years, the thing has been broken, but you're dragging it along to your next morning and your next morning and your next morning. And when somebody says, hey, let's just bury the thing, you go, no, no, but hang on, it's got meaning. Same time you're reading the Bible and the Bible says, let the dead bury their dead. And you're thinking that must be for Lazarus and his family, not for for me. You've got, you know, we've all, when you're in worldly wisdom, you accumulate garbage. There is an all-consuming kind of emotion when you are in worldly wisdom. An obsession to make money. An obsession to look the part. An emotional breakdown when things don't go your way. There's a kind of emotionalism to worldliness that isn't healthy. There is an emotionalism to worldliness that makes everybody your enemy and really battles to see someone else succeed when, when you feel like you're not. It's all worldly and it's the kind of test we need to put in our hearts. And then the Bible says there's an addiction that comes from worldliness. Now, people are addicted to the strangest of things. Maybe you're addicted to something today. 
You don't have to, I mean, if you come forward for prayer, you won't have to tell us like that was in the 80s. It's to come forward, it's like, what's your sin? And the mic would be on the lapel so the pastor would lean in, then that. <laughs> I mean, if you remember, never mind, put your hand down, you're too young. <laughs> but maybe you've got an addiction, maybe it's as obvious as an addiction to something sexual, or maybe it's as discreet as an addiction to an emotion, or an addiction to an attitude, or an addiction to a mindset. I know how I can get addicted to unhealthy patterns of thinking. When I'm tired or frustrated or burnt out, my mind gets addicted to unhealthy patterns. I could tell you some of those, but then you might, you might uh, feel sorry for me. And that's not, that's not the goal of this conversation. When I'm not in a healthy space, I see certain frustrations. I'll come here early morning for daily devotions. You know those daily devotions we've been doing for two years? I think I'm gonna do them in December again for the whole month, give the team uh, a break. But I'll come here and I'll sit and wait for my devotion to start, but I know that I'm exhausted and only worldliness is uh, trying to occupy my mind and then I'll think, I need to fix my hair. (laughs) Then I'll go to the bathroom and I'll fix it and I'll come back. And a few minutes will go by and I think, I should fix it again. I'm not even joking when I tell you I have washed my hair two or three times before devotions from 6am to 7am in this building because my mind is turning on the inside of me. I've now learned that's when it's time to go on holiday. Just go away and come back because nobody cares about your hair. (laughs) Least of all your hair. Addictions can control us powerfully. But that same passage of Scripture in Galatians gives us a list of the characteristics or the test of godly wisdom. I love this list. It's in Galatians 5 from verse 22, and it says, but what happens when God, uh, what happens when we live God's way? He brings gifts into our lives. Much the same way that a fruit appears in an orchard, things like affection for others. Now watch how the emotions go from selfish to selfless. An exuberance about life, joyful people, serenity. We develop a willingness to stick with things, a sense of compassion in the heart, a conviction that perme- a, a conviction that a basic holiness permeates things and people. We find ourselves involved in loyal commitments, not needing to force our way in life, able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. Legalism is helpless in bringing this about. It only gets in the way. What a powerful thing to have a, a word-based wisdom and not a worldly wisdom. Suddenly your energies are going in the right direction. Suddenly your emotions are not selfish, but they consider it for others. I wonder if we're falling into the trap of being kind by keeping some things around, we're becoming cruel to ourselves. And that maybe we need to be cruel on some things, in other words, decisive on some things, have convictions on some things, so that we can be kind to ourselves. You can't let those things nest in you. 
You can't. You can't let those things nest in you. They'll distract, they'll irritate, they'll destroy, and they'll damage. This scripture has these great um, summaries of what happens when we uh, have a word-based wisdom. We develop compassion. Do you know that knowledge can be cruel? Knowledge can be cruel. But worldly, godly wisdom can have great compassion. Do you know, I know that God knows when I've sinned. But he does not respond based on his knowledge. He responds based on wisdom out of love and affection for my restoration. Telling people what they already know is very annoying. Has anybody ever come to you and said, you won't believe what I did? I reconnected with that ex. And then they sent me messages and now I'm upset and they've upset. Do you know, the worst kind of advice in that moment is to say, well, it, it is your fault. You didn't know, that it is your fault. You didn't know this was going to happen. That's not helpful. Compassion says, I'm sorry you've had that experience. Now watch. Let's pray that God will close this door so you won't fall into this trap again. Because being knowledgeable and attacking people excuses you from the higher responsibility of praying for people. So we don't pray, we explain. But Jesus didn't come into the world to explain the world. He came into this world to save the world. So I'm worried that the world is teaching us how to explain. We can explain poverty, but we must solve it. We can define it, but that's cruel. What we need is the compassion of Christ to save it. Secondly, that test includes convictions. Convictions. Let me tell you something now I know about Starling. They are not swallows. We can sing about swallows. There was a swallow in the song at the end today. And I did think about that and thought, are you seriously going to get up here and talk about sushi for your dogs? And then there's a swallow. But a swallow isn't a starling. So the other day, I got back, after I got back, Mark, at my garage, there's a nesting pair of starlings. I said, oh, I know about you. And they are smart. Whoa! The devil is a liar. <laughs> I went to the Builders Warehouse. Uh, that's free advertising. Please feel free to reach my management for paid sponsorship. And I bought a mesh and I bought a thing. And, and as I was paying, you know, I've got a lady at one particular builder. She gives me advice every time I go, whether I want it or not. <laughs> it's always very good advice, by the way. Oh, she said, what are you doing? I said, oh, I'm getting rid of these birds, you know. They're, they're. She said, oh, this is not going to work. I said, thank you. Thank you. 
She said, all these expensive things is not going to work. You're going to come back to me. She's done this to me before. Some of you know the story. I bought the wrong paint once. And when I came back to change it, she said, I could see you were in a hurry. Your mind was not focused on what you were supposed to buy. I knew you were going to come back. So, knowledge is so irritating. <laughs> anyway, I put them up there and a day or two went by and I thought I had won, but I hadn't. They came back. I went back to her. I said, ma'am, these birds are clever birds. She said, no, your problem is your solution was not (laughs) clever enough. You're all wondering, where is this lady? In Warmer. I said, what must I do? She said, I've got a five rand solution for you. Five rand. I said, no, it'll never work. What? She said, you go to one of those cheap shops and you get yourself a fake snake. You put that fake snake right there by the corner. They're not going to know what it is. And then you've got your chance. I did it. Got a fake snake for five bucks. Those birds sit three, four trees away and they wait now. And I come home and I look at them and they look at me. I'm going to be that single guy who's got like a a gut to the snake and makes it move because he's that bored that now his only competition is to deal with these darn starlings. You might think, wait a minute, I mean, how do you take a snake and turn it into the gospel? Because in the wilderness, they put a snake on a cross and they lifted it up and everybody who saw it was healed because when you nail the serpent to a cross and cut off the consequence of the curse, every blessing comes into our lives. Do you know, we have to have conviction. Some things have got to go. If anybody comes to me and says, oh, shame, George, let them just nest this year. I'm going to tell you, I'm very sorry. I've been through this before. I'm going to tell you the same concerning Scripture. I'm very sorry. You may think it's outdated, but it's been here before. The Bible has healed broken hearts before, fixed damaged marriages before, navigated people's money before, transformed the way you raise children before. You may think you've got a unique situation that is outside of its scope, but I want to tell you, we've been here before and it stood the test of time. Heaven and earth may pass away, but the Word of the Lord endures forever. You could have some convictions. And then finally, you've got to have some commitments. Do you know the trouble with knowing a lot but not operating in wisdom is that you can't commit because you're scared you'll be wrong. I was uh, watching my favorite, I'm not quite sure if I will ever watch uh, uh, wildlife documentaries once David Attenborough is done. And I don't know when that will be. He's like 105 and still telling us about the lesser spotted so-and-so. But I was watching a documentary and he was very full of conviction. He said, the evolution of the world is such and such and every animal has kept everything it needs for survival. And then 10 minutes later, 
there's like a, I think it's a walrus or something. It's some of the other, no, it's not. It's some of the other kind of whale or dolphin that you get in the Antarctic that's got like a, a horn. What's that called? A narwhal. Thank you, Vincent. He makes an interesting statement. The same guy, I mean, lots of respect for him. I wish I had his voice. He said, we don't know what it is or why they've kept it. But hang on. I thought evolution made sure that we got rid of what we didn't need and only kept what we needed. And in your own 25-minute documentary, you're telling me there's something you don't know that you still have to know. Knowledge can't be complete, but wisdom can. In Christ dwells the fullness of all that is true. It's complete. You gotta have a few things that are complete in your life. You can't just have a bunch of things that are, I, I don't know what I don't know. You gotta have some things that are complete. So how are you living your life? Is it with worldly wisdom? Or is it with word wisdom? How would we know that? What are the fruits and evidences of that? Well, I, I want to conclude this conversation. This part of it, I've got one more week with you next week. You'll be so wise after next week. <laughs> but here's what I want to tell you. That knowledge, worldly knowledge and wisdom are not facts. They are a spirit. And you either live by the spirit of this world or you live by the spirit that is from God. But both are spirits. That's very, very important. Don't get confused. Don't think that everyone else in the world lives by facts and the church lives by the spirit. No. It's the spirit of this world that makes you brutal and angry and full of temper and competitive. Knowledge didn't do that. A spirit did that. And living in the in the faith means the Spirit of God must guide us. We must cut off in our hearts the Spirit of this world and we must live by the Spirit, leading of the Spirit of God. Because if you don't do that, no matter what information you have, it's still gonna be lifeless. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17 says, I keep asking, Paul writes this prayer, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know Him better. It's a spirit. That's why some people who seem unwise in the world's standards are so wise in the faith because they're not relying on their ability to be wise. They're relying on the spirit that makes them wise. There's another passage of scripture on what the spirit of wisdom and revelation is that's so powerful to me. I learned this passage of scripture when I was 14. I think it contributed to what I felt called to be. And I learned it in the King James because that was in, when I was, became a Christian, the King James was the only true Bible. And if you could even understand it, then you were a proper saint. I mean, that's obviously not true uh, because James, King James wasn't there uh, when it was originally written in Greek. <laughs> and I had to bring it in somehow. But as Proverbs 11 verse 30, it says the following, 
The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he who wins souls is wise. Let me tell you, the world doesn't make winning souls the win. The world says winning the argument makes me the winner. The world says winning the financial competition makes me the winner. But the Bible says winning souls is what truly defines a wise person and what really makes you a winner is winning souls. Yours and someone else's. So as we get up in a moment, in a moment to pray, I'm gonna encourage you, let's be wise in this world and let's win souls. What do I mean by that? Encourage someone who's downhearted at the moment. Lift somebody up who's feeling dejected. Pick somebody up and say, you're a churchgoer. You need to get into church or get online with me and watch with me. You need to be who you're supposed to be because that is true wisdom. And let's never be in an environment where we have lots of knowledge of the world and no wisdom of God in our hearts. It'll make us that brutal uh, 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 list that we read in Galatians chapter five. So I'm gonna invite you to stand with me as we pray. Wherever you're at, if you join me, we're gonna take a moment, we're gonna pray that God will, that God will lead us. I'm gonna pray two kinds of prayers. The first one will allow me to uh, let each gathering close as the site pastor or leader would like. The second, I'm going to invite you, then we can say goodbye to everybody, and I'm gonna invite you to take a step forward in prayer. I felt so strongly this morning that there would be one or two people or 20 or 30 who just needed wisdom from God. You're in a situation or so, it just needs wisdom. Not ordinary stuff, you're wrestling, you've been wrestling. I just wanted to be able to pray with you. But this is the prayer we put up to pray to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. The beginning of wisdom is to know the Lord. It's to know the Lord. I'm gonna read it out as it's on your screen. You can pray the prayer, any gathering, anywhere. And if you do, let us know you've prayed it, you accepted Jesus or renewed your commitment to Him online or in person and we will, we will um, walk the road with you gladly. But I'll read it out loud, you read it in your heart. Dear Lord, you said in the Bible that whoever hears your words and believes God sent you to set me free from my debts of sin has eternal life and will not be judged but has crossed over from death to life. And so I confess that I believe you. I receive salvation from my sins and new life in my soul. I now cross over from death to life. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you give God a shout of praise and thanksgiving? Side pastors, you're free to close your gatherings as you see fit in North End and online. I'm gonna do one more prayer and invitation at this moment. And so I'll let you manage those connections as you'd like. But in North End, we don't have as big a time pressure perhaps. I mean, I won't keep you here till lunch, but some other sites have time pressures. But I do want to take a moment, you know, one of the advantages of gathering is to be able to say, can you pray with me? They can do that online too, by the way, in the comments. It'll obviously just be in the comments, so don't be too personal. Don't say, my husband is in the other room, I'm so irritated with him right now, because he he, he might come around. 
But I do want to pray to you, if you know you're stuck because the spirit of the world's wisdom or knowledge has entangled a decision or a situation and you need the wisdom of God to cut through that, I'd love to take a moment to pray over you. Would you slip out from where you are if you'd like prayer for that and just make your way to the front? And we're going to take a moment to pray together before we let others go so that God can put a word in our hearts that we can pray over you. Would you come on out right now? Yeah, you're welcome to uh, cheer. I won't shame you. I won't put the mic near you. I won't ask you for a thing. I just feel like God needs to guide us a little. And once we start the praying, what we'll do is let you have great coffee, the other great advantage of gathering. Online, I hope you can just smell the aroma of gathering. Just come on really, really tight, just a little closer, um, just to allow, um, good. Can I take one more minute and pray a corporate prayer of everybody? And I wonder if we've got some leaders, some pastors, some group leaders, if you want to just stand around and uh, just put your hand on, on one another in support. Um, that would be wonderful. And you'll know who you are. Uh, just welcome to come and, and, and share. Hey, Helen, I especially want to just pray for you for a moment. I know you're making a big shift and you're moving to Cape Town and a lot of changes are happening in the circumstance of your life. And I feel like I just want to pray with you especially. And You've been a faith, faithful servant here for years. Must be eight, nine, ten years, I don't know, since the start. Long time. So Lord, I just pray that you will go before Helen making every crooked place straight. I pray that you will find favor waiting for her, open doors, good friendships and connection as she serves and uh, uh, invests into her family there. I pray that it will be blessed. You'll find herself very nourished and very refreshed. And I pray that you'll plant her into community and into family and into a work uh, as, as your servant in Cape Town. Father, I pray for each one of us standing here this morning up front with a question in our hearts, perhaps a trouble in our spirit, a disturbance somewhere, maybe an uncertain step or an action. I just pray for divine wisdom. And we pray that you would start, Lord, by removing every weed, every thorn and thistle, every distraction that is making our view uh, uh, difficult, clouded, and uncertain. Cut it away today. Uproot things today. Things that have been difficult to let go of, will you, will you please help us today to let it go? And we'll be able to say, it sort of fell off my shoulders. And then Lord, will you please speak a word in season? Do you know, I, I'm so sorry to do this. I haven't done this in years and, and they'll send me home and hope I never do it again. But do you know, I, I am aware that you want, to start a, you want to start a Bible study group. and you, I feel like God's telling me to tell you that the time is right. And it'll be, there will be a broader, a broader impact than I think you have in mind uh, because of the sensitivity of the types of topics you have on your heart. And I think that the season has come. And I just want to take a moment to endorse that and say, I feel like that is what God's put on your heart. And, and, I, and I stand in support of that. And so, Lord, will you please, will you please open this uh, ladies group and this Bible study conversation and let it be a, a brilliant place of community. 
a brilliant place of community in Jesus' name. Uh, There are also one or two environments where perhaps there's a shift needed in your work-life space. Either you're on the way out of a job or you're on the way into a, a new career, an entrepreneurial career. And you need God to really touch that. Your anxiety is getting the better of you and I want to pray over that too. And so Lord, I pray that you will by your Spirit bring peace to the heart. Confidence in your character. That Lord, you will finish what you've started in us and that you will bring things to full fruition and good success. And Father, I pray that whether it is a shift in uh, uh, work, to entrepreneurship or a shift from one work career to another, please will you make the doors so clear and so open. Uh, Freddie, I'm gonna, I just want to pray something over you, if you don't mind. I'll never do something to embarrass publicly, uh, by the way, in case you're thinking, I will never do that. Like, in case you're thinking, I will never do that. But I, I just, you know, it's an interesting thing. We had a conversation on a two people uh, um, on our staff team concerning you and felt like you were a hidden gift. We had this conversation of how are we going to open it? Because I think there's something there that just needs, just, uh, just maybe a thing to, a hidden gift. And I've known your father for very many years and um, uh, uh, he, he was part of that encouragement in my life uh, um, uh, from Operation Mobilization. And, you know, um, I just feel like, uh, um, you, you know, God has put something on your heart and on your shoulders that he, he had even with, with your father, uh, with, with Fred van Vestas. And, and, and I feel like the, the God's going to just stir the, the well of, uh, stir the waters in the well a bit. Uh, and, you know, you might think, well, I mean, maybe it takes a certain type of person to be used a certain kind of way. Do you know, that's not true, actually. You know, it just takes a vessel. Uh, for the Spirit, and the Spirit does the work. And actually, sometimes some types of people get in the way because their personality is so loud that they don't get the Spirit a chance to be loud. And I just kind of think that that's just something on my heart I want to pray for you. And so, Lord, I, I just pray, Father, that you will connect the dots there, whatever it is that you need to connect and whatever it is that you, well, you need to open and un- unstop and unwrap the, a gift that needs to be unwrapped. And with the... With the uh, in, uh, hurt of having to navigate uh, healing needed at home and all of that, I still pray, Lord, that something powerful will well up uh, in this young man and uh, he will arise I- I- into that thing that you need him to rise into next. And so, Lord, I pray that you will uh, continue to speak to us wisdom Sunday after Sunday, day by day, whether through online or in person. But thank you for the spirit of wisdom and revelation in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, would you give God a shout of praise and 